podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. On today's episode... I have with us uh, Jose Peranian. He is a speaker and comedian and sometimes also a musician, which is why he's here as well. Uh, and so thank you for being here, Jose, and, um, and welcome to the Musicians Adventure podcast. And, thank um, you for having me, Allison, and just a quick comment for the sake of your listeners, I always start by saying your internet is fine. I have a stutter. <laughs> yes, yeah, but the the stutter is what really makes your story. Um, what makes what makes your music fascinating as well, and we'll get to that in a little bit too. Um, but that is, uh, and and that's initially how how I found out about you um, through a workshop where we're told to discuss and, and promote our our stories and um, what we have to talk about. And and this is this is who you are, and 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 you've been able to really make it into something for yourself. So um, and act, and let's kind of start a little bit further back. So. And way back in the beginning, you are from Lebanon and you are actually zooming in from Lebanon right now. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background? That's correct. And I remember the first time I went to the U.S. I was 13 years old. I went to a, a summer camp and. I think it was upstate New York. And when I said I'm from Lebanon, a lot of people were telling me, oh, there is Lebanon here. Or they were referring <laughs> to one in the US. I, I don't remember where exactly it is in the US, but uh, I- There are a couple, raised, I think. Yeah, a couple, yeah. Yeah, so I was born and raised in the Middle Eastern Lebanon. And I, and my background is Armenian, like the Kardashians, hence, <laughs> That's <laughs> my last name, ending in I A N. Got it. And I am, as you as you just said, Allison. I am currently tuning in from Lebanon, even though I typically am based in t t Toronto, Canada. I've been here for a. A couple of months. Wow. 
What brought you back to Lebanon, if you don't mind sharing? Sure. I had come back over the Christmas holidays to see my parents in December. And then because there is a movie currently being made about my journey and the filmmaker wanted to capture footage about my origins we had done some filming here in january and we're still planning to do a couple more days here before i i head back and it's it's also enjoyable to have relatively warm weather in the winter while also having my mama's home cooking yeah yeah that's not something neither of those are things you'll get in toronto that's for sure (laughs) yeah but um so how long have you been in north america then uh been living there i moved to to montreal when i was 18 for university and and sometimes i'll say i mean before the before my first ever montreal winter i didn't even <laughs> have a stutter i've just <laughs> internalized all of the <laughs> all of the Shivering, <laughs> and that's funny. I am guessing Wisconsin has has intense winters as well, doesn't it? We sure do. We've had our share of sub-zero temperatures this winter, so we're not that far behind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, so I moved to to Montreal when I was eighteen. Interestingly, and maybe you have insights about this. When I when I moved into a new in environment, I expected so I grew up avoiding speaking and and people just out of the fear of being judged for being different and then when i moved to to montreal i almost expected that all of my self-limiting beliefs would magically would magically disappear overnight but then when i got to montreal i realized that all of my obstacles had simply traveled trans at uh, atlantically all the way with me there (laughs) (laughs) right so uh, so how did you make it through college then i mean um 
how was that that time period for you? I still remember in my second year of university, I had asked all my professors to exempt me from every presentation. Just I I did not want to ever speak. I even did not want to to participate in the class in any way, shape, or form. So I would ask my professors to give me extra homework to replace whatever marks were typically assigned to in-class in participation. So I was really committed to eliminate speaking from my life. Right. So did they, did they let you? They did, yeah. And at the time, I mean, now I might come across as being more, uh, as being a bit more confident. But back then, my, my in, entire demeanor when I walked into their office must have been one filled with anxiety and fear. And I most likely thought that they were doing me a favor by uh, agreeing to mm -hmm. exempt me from all of those situations. And can I ask what you were studying at that time, out of curiosity? Yeah, I was studying business, which mm -hmm. if you are in business school and you're not presenting, that'd be like, like getting a degree in chemistry and, and never stepping into a lab. Uh, right. Presenting is a huge part of of the business school experience. So I was in business school, but I also double majored in psychology, and I think I I gravitated towards psychology because of all the obstacles I was dealing with. It felt like the right thing to do to better understand both myself and others. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So did you go on to use either or both of those degrees right after college? Not, well, yeah, it, in a sense, yes, but I, I would say that what I do right now as a motivational speaker, that is arguably literally the intersection of psychology and business. Yeah, so yeah. in a weird way, yes, I... <laughs> Um. <laughs> That's true. You made it. <laughs> so, 
Um, so it was all worth it. And um, so how did you get to where you are now? What steps did you go through after that point? I would say, you know, I'm often asked what was the tipping point where you stopped being controlled by fear and you became a performer and a speaker. And oftentimes my answer will be that there are no aha moments in life. I mean, my, to rephrase, my biggest aha moment was that there are no aha moments. It was this, this journey where I consistently exposed myself to the source of my fear to gradually rewire or transform my relationship with fear and discomfort. And I think I was, I, I was hearing, or I was reading this, I, I don't recall where, but a musician who, who, who still felt sick before every performance that they had ever done. And I think uh, a big insight on my journey was that fear or discomfort and action can coexist. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. And I think once I started realizing that being afraid did not mean I should not do that thing. This shift in mindset empowered me to start doing all types of things that a few years ago would have seemed absurd eh, impossibilities. So just a few years ago, you started sort of allowing this this new phase of your life to open up. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had dabbled with some of my fears in my last year of university. I ended up joining the, the debating club as well as Toastmasters for public speaking in my last year. But after after graduating, though, I took a few steps back and I wasn't proactive. It wasn't until 2017 that I really started to challenge myself. And that led to the... To the st- stand up comedy and the s- speaking yeah that's great where do you perform your stand up what kinds of places at 
at the moment virtually but i mean obviously but yes yeah but yeah but before that it was i performed in comedy clubs in 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 three continents and three languages what are the the three languages that you would perform in? I'm assuming English was one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's is the main one. Yeah, so primarily in English, and occasionally in Spanish and French. Okay. I actually stutter in six <laughs> different languages. Wow, that's I, I love that. Um, I saw that on one of your websites. I, and actually, I thought I saw five. So six is impressive. <laughs> so that's great. What are the six languages? So French, English, uh, Spanish, and what else? Mm. I s speak Arabic. I know the next two, I I have more of an intermediate pro proficiency in them and it's portuguese and armenian they are not as as fluent as the other languages but still good enough to have conversations wow that's really impressive that's great and and then I saw that you've done other um, big speaking engagements, such as the TEDx talk um, and other, you know, big scale things. Um, when did those start popping up for you? After I had won some speaking competitions in 2017, I had won the award of inspiration inspirational speaker of the year and then that opened the door to do a talk at tedx and then it led to other events and conferences and things evolved from there yeah that is so cool and now you're getting a movie made about your life so how did that come to be that is amazing it yeah it's i sometimes still have to to pinch myself considering how absurd and absurd and unexpected this development no pun intended is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it how this happened is I had met the filmmaker a few months before the speaking, a speaking competition. And she was intrigued that this guy with a stutter was about to compete at a public speaking competition. And she just, she just wanted to do a, a short about it, Sh short film. But then I, I won the competition and it led to a, it led to 
her thinking that she cannot stop now. She has to keep on filming to see where it evolves. And then came another another victory. And then came TEDx. And then as my journey evolved, so did her own as a filmmaker and for her film. So things kept on evolving side by side. And now it went from what was supposed to be short to a feature. And we shall see how how things evolve. The pandemic did come with, with some delays. The initial timeline she had in mind had or has obviously been modified but we'll see how how it evolves yeah how exciting um yeah keep us posted i'll I'll definitely follow you i think i'm on your email list now i want to definitely know about when it comes out that's very exciting um so and now I want to ask you a little bit about, uh, you know, being that this is the Musicians Venture podcast, um, I want to ask you how music has played a role in your life. Um, when I was first sort of introduced to what you were doing and to, to your work and your speaking, um, one of the first things I was acquainted with was your video of you singing and playing guitar. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was just so, um, you know, just blown away by that. And in that video, there was no stutter whatsoever. Um, and it was just so cool. So, I mean, can you tell me about the role of music in your life? Yeah. So it is a weird fact that people who stutter don't stutter when they sing. I even have a bit about that in my, <laughs> in my standup. I say whenever I, I tell people that I don't stutter when I sing, they they tell me, wow, instead of speaking, why don't you always sing? <laughs> and then I say, because I don't want to look deranged. <laughs> and they might think that I would save so much time if I sang instead but have you ever seen a musical right yes can you imagine you ask me hey Jose (laughs) how was your weekend and I say thank you for asking my friend my weekend was nothing but grand (laughs) (laughs) that would be very surreal for sure yes that would that would be grand so in in terms of of how it's been i discovered that i can sing without stuttering early on i took guitar lessons when i was a teenager it definitely served as an outlet for me because I was, I felt so controlled by the stutter and the fear. 
music always acted as an outlet for my expression. I was in a band with with a couple of my classmates back in school. Nothing too fancy, but we would perform at the at the at the talent shows, and it definitely had always been a part of my life. But singing specifically. I would say I have been getting into more and more as time goes by, and I uh, and because I will sometimes in in incorporate bits with singing in my stand up. A lot of people have been telling me you should in incorporate your singing a lot more both in your stand-up and in your speaking as well as one of the things you do as part of the overall talk or or performance so i will i i definitely have been thinking more and more about the synergy or the intersection between what i already did do as a as a speaker and a comedian and and the and the musical side of things mm-hmm. that is really cool and so you've been playing guitar for since you were probably a youth probably a teenager or something and when did you when did you pick up singing it it was never that formal although i did take now that i think about it some i did take some singing lessons when i uh i might have been 16 or 17 maybe i did do some singing lessons in lebanon i don't think i did any in montreal maybe actually a couple of lessons in montreal and then a couple in toronto as well so just a bit of formal t- training here and there and a lot of of playing by myself w- with my guitar. Yeah. Who are some of your favorite musicians that you uh, look up to? Had this been a video podcast, you would have seen my, <laughs> my t-shirt here, Jimi Hendrix. Ah, perfect. Yeah. Well done. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> I grew up listening to a lot of of rock music from the sixties, the seventies, Led Zeppelin, The Doors, The Who, Hendrix, 
those were some of the the some of the musicians I extensively extensively listened to. Also, some of the some of the metal from the eighties, like Iron Maiden, Metallica, Megadeth. I love listening to those guys. More recently, I've been really into electronic music, techno music, not necessarily mainstream. So it's more super complex melodies that resemble classical music more than they resemble your average mainstream EDM track. So that's a genre I'm quite into, as well as uh, classical. My grandmother has been playing the piano since she was a kid, since she was maybe four or five years old. She's in her late 80s now still plays every single day and she plays really well she plays really well so it's it is really awesome and and some some jazz and bossa nova as well brazilian jazz i i love listening to those when i'm having dinner or uh, when I am hanging out with my parents and my sister, that is usually our our go-to. What's yours, by the way? Your go-to genre musically? Oh, that's a good question. No one's asked me that on here yet, Jose. Um, <laughs> I, it's very diverse as well. Um, I don't typically do EDM though. I, I I can imagine you with glow sticks though. But, <laughs> but uh, no, for me, um, yeah. I mean, I like the jazz. I like the gypsy jazz kind of style. Um, Nat King Cole is probably one of my favorites. Like going back a ways, his trio music is some some that I really like listening to. Um, but you know, it just depends on the mood. I also like you know, alternative and, and rock. Um, if, especially if I'm driving, that's kind of nice to have, um, just depends on what it is and, and local independent kind of stuff too. So it just depends. Just, yeah. All sorts of different music for different moods, classical and classically trained. Um, you can see oh. maybe behind me, uh, my French horn. Whoa. Um, so that's my main instrument. Yeah. So, and piano too, but, um, so I do mm-hmm. listen to a lot of that as well. Um, so yeah, all over the board, just as you, um, and I think that's good because, um, then you learn a lot about a lot of different genres and cultures that way. And, um, yeah. And, and so and much you learn of- about yourself too. And you learn about yourself. Yes. Considering that every genre of music will elicit different emotions it's almost like it's almost like music is one of the tools of 
self-discovery that is yeah. available to us. Yeah, that's a really good way of thinking about it and putting it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was I was going to ask you as well. So one of the things that I mean, besides you being a musician as well as you know being a public speaker and comedian, um, but you I mean you have such great knowledge and expertise on this like performance anxiety sort of field uh, with all of that really, and and there are a lot of musicians that still. Um, that it still have a hard time, even as, as much of, as, as they've played and performed in front of audiences of all sizes, they still sometimes get, get stressed out about it. Um, they still, you know, they still feel that, uh, or, you know, if it's a new experience, if it's a bigger experience, like how have you handled that in, in all of the things that you have, have worked through? Yeah. That is, so, I would say one thing that had really been instrumental, no pun intended, in dealing with, with the stage fright, so to speak, has been has been meditation. I do meditate every day, especially before performances. I will meditate. Sometimes I'll be in the green room and I will also close my eyes and I will take 60 seconds. The other comedians or or speakers will see me like I am there with my eyes closed, just focusing on the inhalation and the yeah. exhalation. It does have an it does have an instant impact on my state of mind before a performance. Besides that, though. If we're talking more about taking action, one thing I used to do before pretty much every performance is I would go to the mall or to the or on the streets, and that's before the before the pandemic, mm-hmm. and I would challenge myself by talking to a hundred complete strangers and I would ask them random questions or I would just introduce or I would just introduce myself and say excuse me I have a stutter I am I am working on it today by introducing myself to as many strangers as I can. Hi, my name is Jose. And then sometimes it'll just quickly end and we'll we'll part ways. Sometimes they'll be intrigued and they'll ask me a question and I have had friendships 
that's huh. formed from those interactions. Some people have become really good friends of mine from those practice sessions. Uh, sometimes, though, I would have gotten negative reactions. It could be laughter. It could be people walking away. And those reactions, I think, enabled me to desensitize myself to the fear. And they played a, a really big role. So I would say this would even apply to a musician. If someone is a musician and they have a gig and, and maybe if this is happening right now, obviously you can do it on the phone rather, but the act of exposing oneself to uncomfortable situations repeatedly for one to two hours definitely desensitizes you before a stressful situation yeah that's a great idea I love that 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 thought and did you um did you select particular people were you were you able to tell like okay this person is someone that I should or shouldn't talk to or would you like just mm. yeah so for it to be an effective exercise it has to to be random and sometimes it is so tempting and I have done that before where I would intentionally choose the senior, the oh, older lady who seems really kind sure. or, yeah. or the person walking by themselves. But the best way to maximize what I got from that exercise was by intentionally talking to the people who elicited more anxiety than others. Those reactions in the moment can be very uncomfortable. I'll just go up to them, ask them a, a quick question. Excuse me, do you know where the Starbucks is, for example? And sometimes they will laugh, right? They will react to me having gotten stuck on a word with laughter. And, or say for example, I'll approach a group of uh, of guys who seem really tough, who might have who might have a hell's <laughs> angel kind of vibe, right? Right. Because I know that the the thought of 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 speaking to them is eliciting more anxiety than say talking to the 
talking to the friendly looking old lady. But what I have found though, ironically, is quite often that group of people with the tattoos and the big beard and all that, they will often end up being super nice. And then and then the person or the people whom I expect to be nice might end up being the opposite. So there's sure. always these big su- surprises too. Yeah, yeah, that's really fascinating. I mean, what a study on society right there <laughs> besides just working on anxiety and uh you know performance related things so i love that that's i i might have to try that too um that's really great and um and who are some of like can you give me an example of someone that you've kept in touch with um from one of these yeah so i had approached this guy called Edin. He was uh, a uh, French guy, originally from Africa, who had been living in in France for a while before moving to Canada. And I had approached him on the way to this networking event that I was attending. I had recently moved to Toronto from, to Toronto from Montreal. I see this guy. I approach him and we we start chatting a bit. I actually ask him for where the location of that of that networking event was. It was a bar on some street in Toronto. And then we start chatting a bit. I pick up on the fact that he spoke with a French accent. So we start talking about about that. And then he tells me he had just moved from France and he was job hunting. I tell him, oh, I'm actually going to a to a to a networking event right now you should come with and then he literally joined me to Uh, that to that networking event and after that we exchange information and we've and i've gone to his place for house parties for for the dinners we we were we were we had we had met up i think in the summertime we had gone to the park a a few times like not long ago yeah so we it definitely b- blossomed into an actual friendship that's so so beautiful so i i love that story so i i need to do this for sure you've you've inspired me (laughs) um yeah 
there's, I, I mean, just. Uh, I'll add to that. I look forward to 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 our post our post pandemic world to yes. enjoy these types of of serendipitous moments once again. Yes, no kidding. I think we all do. Yeah. Uh, I have just a couple more quick questions for you. Um, what is maybe one of the biggest lessons that you've learned along the way throughout your your young career and your your work in speaking and, and everything? Mm. Yeah, so one really big insight If I could go back in time and talk to pre-transformation Jose and tell him three things, one would be it's okay to be different. Own what makes you, you unique. It took me years and years and years to come to that conclusion after wanting to fit in my entire life and after choosing silence as a defense mechanism from the world i definitely it definitely was not something i i realized until later. So that's one thing. The second thing would be to use fear as a compass, as opposed to treating it as a, as a roadblock or as something that holds us back, to really think of it as this catalyst, this, this the vehicle that enables us to take action that we would not have taken otherwise. The third truth or the third insight I would want to share would be once you find that thing that scares you the most to do it, but then do it again and again and again because it has to become ingrained in in your lifestyle. It is not a one-off breakthrough type of moment. The breakthrough is realizing that you have to keep on doing the thing that scares you. Not until you no longer fear it, because that might never happen, but until your relationship with fear has been changed enough that you do not associate fear with inaction. 
super wise suggestions right there. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm someone who certainly knows about all of those things. So thank you, Jose. And, um, and can you tell us about the song that you sent over for us to play? Yeah. And there really isn't a song that is perhaps more f fitting for this. It's called Secret Voodoo. And it's a song I had written on a bad day. I was having a bad day in Montreal a few years ago, and I wanted to express how I felt about having a stutter and the sadness, the depression that it often caused. And I would say it, it's a song, it's not really, it's not, is not really meant to be a happy song. There is maybe a bit, bit of hopefulness, but the song itself, it really allowed me to share how I feel as someone who stutters, as someone who had been different his whole life. so much for sharing this it's and it's very well written well produced and well sung thank you i i love hearing this and it's it's such a great honor for for, for us to have you here and, and sharing your music with us and where can we find out more information about you and what you what you're doing absolutely my instagram is and i i often i often will say uh if you are listening to this, the rhythm at which I am going to say my Instagram will give you enough time to grab your phone and do it <laughs> there and then. So don't ha hesitate. At yes, way Jose J O Z. E, that's my Instagram. It's it's the best place. I also have a page on Facebook and LinkedIn and recently Clubhouse, but I would say Instagram. Actually, have you been have you been on have you been dabbling with Clubhouse at all? I have a little bit. Yeah, I've been on one Clubhouse club yeah. call so yeah yeah it's kind of fun it can be fun yeah 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 i yeah it's i'm excited to see where that whole journey goes as well but for now instagram i would say is the best place yeah and your website is um yes it's Go ahead. jose Berrigan.com. Thank you, Jose. And do you know Kim Kardashian? <laughs> I wish. 
I definitely <laughs> respect what she has accomplished. <laughs> I mean, I often hear people say, but she is not, she's not talented. And then I, I think, well, that proves the point even more. If someone without talent has, has achieved the things that she has achieved, that proves the, the talent uh, even more. <laughs> That's true. That's a good way of putting it. That's funny. Sorry, I just had to ask since you brought it up earlier. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with us. And I'm definitely going to be following what you do. And, and I see only great things ahead for you. And thank you so much for sharing your insight with us today. Thank you. And thank you for having me. It's been interesting to, to think about my journey through the lens of, of music. I really enjoyed that absolutely all right have a good rest of your day
This episode's featured patron is BJ Lillo of Sunnyvale, California. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll leave ratings and reviews for us wherever you're listening from. Visit themusiciansventure.com for more information on upcoming guests, show notes, and ways to send us your topic suggestions. The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again.